0: Exodus chapter 25 brings us to a point in time. I'll give further explanation in a minute. But the Israelites have left Egypt. And God wants them to build a house where he can live with them. Imagine that. Almighty God wanting to spend time With sinful humanity. It's amazing. And this is what he says to Moses. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying. Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. Of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart. Ye shall take my offering. And then he goes through a discourse on what to bring. And this is the offering ye shall take of them gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skins dyed red and badger skins and shintum wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for sweet incense, onyx stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Let's pray. Father, I thank you and I give you praise for the Holy Spirit that has been in our midst this morning. Thank you for ministering, Lord. Thank you for touching hearts Thank you for changing lives. And Father, right now, as we delve into the word, help us, Lord, to let us take root in our lives, understand what you're trying to do, oh God, and we thank you for it in advance. And I pray, Lord, that each and every one of us see your message in your sanctuary today. These things we ask in Jesus' precious name, and everyone said... Amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor, shake their hand. Welcome them into this portion of the scripture today. Isn't it good when God visits us? But it's an astounding thing when God wants to set up camp with you. Some folks in our sanctuary, they're big on camping and hiking and going out in the outdoors, and God is too. He goes out outside of the norm of heaven, and in fact, he's everywhere. He's omnipresent. I want to take you to a period of time in history and travel with me if you would. Our families have been in bondage and in slavery for 400 years. Your great, great, great grandpappy was a slave. And everyone down through your generations, your mom and your dad, your brothers and your sisters, all they know is Egyptian slavery. God sends a man, an obedient person, to lead the children of Israel out of bondage. How many of you have seen the movie by Cecil B. DeMille, The Ten Commandments? There's a few. It's worth your time, whether you go on Netflix or whatever. It is astounding. It holds its age. The graphics for that day and time were astounding. And it is the story that we're taking off from today when God delivers them out of Egyptian bondage. They crossed over the Red Sea. The Israelites made it through. And then when the Egyptians, which were chasing them, got into the Red Sea, God drowned them. How many can say that God is love? (laughs) God is love. But God doesn't pull any punches. You don't want to serve him, he will not make you serve him. And if you want to go to hell, you can go to hell with gasoline underpants on. If that's what you want to do. I don't want to do that. So God brings them out of slavery. All they have known, their food's been given to them. They have plenty of food to eat, but they work hard every day under the lash. But sometimes, if you can understand this, slavery and bondage becomes comfortable. God gets them out into the middle of the desert and they want to go back home. There's no food. There's no water. Most of you can't come to church without a water bottle. So don't talk about the Israelites getting out in the middle of the desert and worrying about water. They didn't have any. They didn't have McDonald's. There wasn't any Taco Bell. There wasn't any place for them to stop off. All there was was lizards and snakes and horned toads, shrubbery, dry ground, hot rocks and a blazing sun in the Sinai and three million of them out there in the desert. They went from shout to pout in about three days. Say, I wouldn't do that. Yes, you would. You'd do just exactly what they did. And they did it. But God gets them out in the middle of nowhere Because he has to break the mentality of slavery. And it is a disastrous effect if you try to do this without God. If you don't have God's help, you're probably not going to do it. But if you have been in this, everybody here has been in slavery and bondage to sin. doesn't matter what the nature may be. It is the old sinful nature that must be broken. And if you think you're just going to turn over a new leaf in life on your own power, that leaf just automatically keeps tumbling with the wind. God got them out there with the, with the lizards and the rocks and nothing to eat so he could get their attention. And they knew that their source was God alone. Now he tells them, I won't. To make my habitation with you. Where did they get all of the ornate elements of this temple, you ask? They took it from the Egyptians on their way out of town. God gave them favor with the Egyptians, and anything they asked for, the Egyptians unloaded on them. They had been such a plague to them in the past few weeks that they were happy to send them packing with everything that they could muster up. And so they hauled it out into the middle of the desert. He gives the instructions to Moses to build a temple. And you might not think that this temple is, is all that ornate. No, this is not Solomon's temple. This is not Herod's temple. This is the original portable temple out in the middle of the desert. I want you to notice that on the outside now I took this from the cat so I could do this. On the outside there is a white linen curtain. Each one of those posts have a silver cap on top and they are held in place with a rope on the inside and a rope on the outside. The curtain is seven feet tall. You can't look over it. It's tight enough to the ground, you can't look under it. If you're going to visit God, there is only one way in. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There was a gate. 30 feet wide. Traditionally, it was always open. But the gate is Jesus Christ. You want to understand the New Testament, do some reading in the Old Testament. For the scarlet thread of redemption is woven through every single book of the Bible, and the redemption story is told in this temple. Would you go to the next slide, please? The next slide shows the inside. You'll notice there's a brazen altar. We're going to get to these things. But this, this tent structure on the inside with the ram skins and the goat skins over it, that is actually the sanctuary. It had two compartments, the holy place and the holy of holies. The steam coming off is not steam. It's a cloud. Jesus led them, oh yeah, I said Jesus. Jesus led them through the wilderness, a cloud by day, go to the next slide, and a pillar of fire by night. Notice the encampment of the Israelites all around the sanctuary. Because God was there, they wasn't going anywhere without the guiding light in the night. In fact, some theologians believe that the cloud shielded them from the hot Sinai desert in the daytime. And the fire, when it got cold, there was no heaters, this actually provided warmth them God provided everything manna from heaven water from the rock heat at nighttime and air conditioning in the day give God praise today I want to go to the next slide please this is one of my favorites 1450 years this goes back that this sanctuary was built Why does it look like a cross? I'm glad you asked that, Brother Robbie. Why does it look like a cross? Because the children of Israel were different sizes in number. But they assembled themselves around the sanctuary. And 1,450 years before Christ, he began to preach the message Of the cross and the necessity that one would die for the sins of humanity. He shows that he is in the center. And only God himself through Jesus Christ is suited to pay for your transgressions. Could we go to the next please? This is the gate that shows you that linen curtain That was 150 feet long, 75 feet wide. Now the curtain that you go through is about 30 feet wide. And it was blue. And it had red. And all of these have significance because blue is royalty. Red represents the blood and white represents the purity of the Lord himself. There is no other way to the Father but through Jesus Christ. You can be the best person you can possibly be. You can give your fortune to charity but it's not going to get you into heaven. Only believing upon the Lord is going to get you into the presence of God. Now let's go on a journey and get inside this outer court as it's called. Let's go to the next slide. The first object, and we're going to see an overview in just a few minutes, but the first object of furniture in the outer court is the brazen altar. Upon the brazen altar, spotless animals without blemishes, spotless in nature, whether they were rams or lambs or if only the person could afford even a dove, they were offered on this brazen altar. It was made out of wood, but it was overlaid with brass. Brass, of course, comes from the ground and it is signifying of mankind and their need. It is not gold, it is brass and it is overlaid. You say, well, what was the necessity? They would place the animal after they properly and mercifully uh, killed it and place it on the coals of fire, and it would be burned as a sweet savor unto the Lord because someone innocent has got to pay the price for your sins. It's an object lesson, you see. These animals could not forgive your sin, but people through obedience could obey God and look forward to a time of relationship with Him. Let's go on to the next slide. There's another object lesson. After you go through Christ and experience salvation and you understand and realize the redemption provided through a spotless lamb, we go to the center here, and there is something called the labor. The labor was a big wash basin where the priests would wash their hands before they would do anything, and their feet before they could go into the holy place. It was a place of washing. But what does that signify for you? Once you come through the gate, Christ Jesus. Once you understand that the sacrifice has been made at the brazen altar. In obedience, we go before the Lord and we receive water baptism. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen this morning? Finally, we get to the actual tabernacle. Let's go to the next. Before any of the, you could get inside, you had to wash and the sacrifice had to be made. One of the pieces of furniture inside that little tent was something we call the menorah. It's a lampstand. The only light inside that covered tent was this menorah. How could that possibly fill a place that size? The walls were made of wood, but they were overlaid with solid gold, polished to a mirror finish. Those seven lamps with the holy anointing oil that was inside the holy place lit that place up. What does you know the Bible talks about in Revelation that God's number is number seven and even so to the point that that symbolically before the throne of God there's lamps that burn representing the seven spirits of God now don't get confused there's only one God but the spirit is represented in the number perfection the number seven this is that lampstand that lights it up over across the lampstand if you would rock directly from it you would run into another piece of furniture would you bring that up please these guys are just fantastic upstairs you just ask and there it is imagine that there was a table that had rods running through it so they could move it around this was made by artisans all of this equipment was made by artisans out in the desert and made out of the spoils of the Egyptians. Here's something I want you to understand. As I read the scripture, it says, Let them bring me an offering willingly of their heart. No one person had all of the gold, all of the silver, all of the shintam wood, all of the linen. No, they brought what God had placed in their possession to give to God. Not everybody's going to be a loudmouth preacher. Not everybody can sing like a songbird. Not everybody is real good at one-on-one witnessing. But whatever God has given you, give it all to him. And he'll make a habitation in your heart where he can dwell. This was a table called the table of showbread. There was 12 loaves of bread on that table. Really what you would consider thick pancakes. Notice they're all the same size. The children of Israel, the tribes, weren't the same size. Why are they all the same size? Because God is no respecter of persons. Doesn't matter what your background is. Doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. Doesn't matter your ethnicity. Doesn't matter your gender. God doesn't look at that. God looks at the heart. He looks at the individual. He wants you to come to him willingly with At this point, table of showbread. Would you go to the next slide? Only one more piece of furniture in the holy place. This is what we did this morning. We worshiped and praised God. They took coals off the brazen altar, brought it inside the holy place, and mixed it with incense, and a smoke went up. and it filled the holy place with a sweet odor. Praise and worship will precede you getting into the holy place of God. If you believe it this morning, would you say amen? Amen. This was about four feet high and two feet by two feet with four horns around each edge. And it was on those horns that the high priest would put the blood of the sacrificial lamb on there. What do we do now? Would you go to the next slide? That's the overlay. Remember the altar of burnt, the big barbecue pit out here. Then there was the wash basin. Then we go to the golden lampstand. I said right across was a table of showbread now this is out of size context but that's the altar of incense and separating the two is this black line was the curtain the veil it was very thick especially in Solomon's time it was so thick that when they built Solomon's temple to split the curtain and let somebody inside there was oxen on each side of the curtain That would pull. Getting into the presence of God. Is not something to take lightly. There's a lot of sacrifice that has gone on. There is the washing of the word. And getting before the Lord. And letting him cleanse you on the inside. On the outside presenting yourself as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And now we get to the veil. Once a year, Moses, the high priest, not not any others, only one high priest, or whether it was Aaron, excuse me, Aaron would go behind that curtain once a year. Aaron was Moses' brother. But Aaron was the high priest. And once a year, the high priest would cleanse himself, proper sacrifices on the altar, enter into the lampstand, make sure everything was just right, and he would see the showbread. Now, that was used every day and replaced every day, and then put the lamb's blood on the altar of incense, and he was ready to go in once a year To the holies of holies. Would you go to the next slide? What was in there? How many of you have seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? That's what they were after. That's what they were after. It's probably somewhere in the world today. We don't know for sure, but somewhere. You can see that it is rectangular in shape. It was made of wood, but it was overlaid with pure Solid gold and hammered into an ornate shape. And there is actually two pieces of furniture here. This is the Ark of the Covenant. And this lid with the seraphims overlooking it with their wingtips. This right there is the mercy seat. That is where God would meet with Aaron. Once a year and pardoned the sins of all the Israelites and pushed them forward unto another year that their sins could be pushed forward. Not totally pardoned, but they obeyed the Lord. And if they did this, God would stay with them. God would meet with them. What is that all talking about? Well, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 27, I believe, that when Jesus died on the cross, there was great earthquakes, the rocks rent, many of the dead saints arose and walked around Jerusalem because of the power of God. But one of the most important things, that in Herod's temple, the veil was rent from the top to the bottom. Now, Anyone can get into the holy place of God and enjoy the presence of God. What does this mean for us today? Paul says, "Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. We don't have to build a temple. This structure, it is a wonderful place to come and worship. An edifice built unto the Lord. But God doesn't dwell here. Now the veil has been rent. And if you've come through the gate. If you've acknowledged the sacrifice. If you've been washed in the word of God. If you've come in and partaken of God's bread. If you've seen the light of the Lord. If you've offered prayers And praise unto God. The veil is rent. And you can get into the holy of holies today. You don't need anybody else. Just you. Would you stand with me this morning? We are the temple of the living God. We are now the portable sanctuary. Everywhere I go, God goes. Everywhere you go, if Christ is in your heart, Jesus is right there with you. David said, though I descend in the depths of hell, behold, thou art there. You can't outrun him. You can't outlast him. No matter what your trial and your tribulation may be. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He is almighty God, the everlasting to everlasting. And through Christ, you have the omnipotence of God dwelling in your heart. There's nobody like him. How many of you today have Christ dwelling in your heart and you're absolutely sure of it. Well, I, I'm I'm trying to be a good person. Well, I got to admit I try to be a good person, but that wouldn't be enough. I found out that just me trying doesn't get me anywhere. I need Jesus. I got to go through that gate. I can't look in about salvation and wonder well, do I really want that or not? I couldn't look over the curtain. I couldn't look under the curtain. i got to commit. Get inside, and I see the sacrifice, and I see what's required. I want to be baptized. I want his spirit. I want to live right as best he can show me because the veil has been rent. And now I'm the tabernacle of the living God. He walks with me. He talks to me. He goes with me everywhere I go. In the middle of the desert, all the way to glory, Jesus is the door. While every head is bowed and every eye closed, is there one that would say, Brother White, I want to make sure this morning, I want you to pray with me. I want to receive the Lord this morning. I'm tired of just kind of looking around on the outside of the curtain. I want to go through the gate. I'm not perfect, but I want to go through the gate. I want to enjoy the sacrifice that Christ has made. Is there one that would lift their hand this morning?